Hey everybody, this is Steve, the guy from Blue's Clues, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. What became what became obvious is that uh, the right wing, uh, the fundamentalists, uh, all invoked the Constitution as their the cornerstone to their agenda. Yeah. And uh, anybody who opposes their opinion is therefore unpatriotic. And this is a protest to this. We're not letting them decide who's patriotic and who's not patriotic. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful <sighs> Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. You're coming in on us talking about fun things that have happened during our interviews. <laughs> <laughs> in situations like you never know what's going to happen or where someone's going to be. Sometimes we call them. I forget who it was. We called somebody and they were like, oh, that's today. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and i think maurice lamarche was in his new brand new car or something and he was like oh yeah okay hold on but then he put us on speakerphone and it was like better than most people's skype which was incredible yeah. so yeah and i think he you know he pulled to the side of the road so he would actually like not have to be like cursing at traffic right. too. I, I don't know but yeah strange things happen and when you've done a couple hundred interviews, um, you know not everybody's going to be sitting in a studio or sitting at their desk giving you 100 percent attention Right, exactly. And yeah, so this, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. So how have you been how have you been this week, Jamie? <laughs> oh, we've been fantastic this week. How have you been, Justin? I have been wonderful. You are you are um getting ready as we record this, you're getting ready for your big Thanksgiving in the United States. Yeah. You have any big plans? Except by the time people listen to this, it'll have been it'll be like, What that was yesterday? What are you talking about? Yes, or wait, it's past Christmas time. What's what are they talking about? Like if they download yeah. this later, it's Thanksgiving time ish in 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 America. So we have it's not often. Well, I guess it is often, but we have legendary people that we interview. <laughs> but there's you know there's legendary people, but then there's legendary people. You know what I mean? Like people that have had a career, and they're just you hear the name and you know it's like you have memories and you know about who they are. And that is this week, Ed Asner. Jamie, why don't you tell us about your interview? Um, I mean, what's to say, really? Like, it, so Ed Asner is like he's a legend, like you said, and it's it's kind of hard to encapsulate his career in a couple minutes. Lead up to a dumb right. interview that we did, but it was you know, it's like he he was a pioneer in television. He was in a lot of historic shows. He was he. He is still working today. Um, if you you know if you're a Disney fan, you absolutely know him as as Carl Fredrickson from Up. He was the voice of Carl. Um, but you know, going back, he was he was on the Mary Tyler Moore show, you know, and then he took his character from the Mary Tyler Moore show and he had his own show, his own spinoff show. Which honestly, I didn't 
quite realize this. I always knew he was on the Mary Tyler Moore show and he was Mary's boss. Um, but the spinoff show after Mary Tyler Moore show ended uh, and he took that character in the show was called Lou Grant, which was the character's name. I didn't quite realize how different the show was. And I think this was one of the first, if not the first, and probably one of the very few times that a character like started on what was a comedy. It was a comedy. Mary Tyler Moore show was a comedy. And then Lou Grant was a drama. It was a, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it would be almost be like somebody coming off of, I don't want to compare friends to Mary Tyler Moore show, but like somebody coming off of a comedy, like <laughs> friends, you know, and yes. then like, um, you know, like Joey got his own spinoff show. Joey, this is terrible. It's an awful comparison. I can't believe that I'm doing this, but that was still a comedy. It would be like if Joey were like suddenly like on law and order, you know what I mean? Like it was right, a serious right. drama and that's what happened. So, and it was, what's also notable is that Ed Asner was nominated for an Emmy on both shows. So he like, he was nominated for, for playing the same character in a, in a, in a, um, in a comedy and in a drama. And so I didn't really realize the whole Lou Grant show was that different from Mary Tyler Moore. Cause I honestly, I, I never saw it. I knew Mary Tyler Moore. I didn't know Lou Grant. Um, so that kind of blew my mind when I was doing my research and we talking about him. Um, but he's, he's been around like he's this guy. So obviously I'm stumbling over my words cause I don't even know how to really present this <laughs> to, to people listening. So the reason he's here today, the reason we talk to him is because he has a new book. Um, he he has written a number of books, but the book, his most recent book, is co-authored with Ed Weinberger, who I should also say um, is on the show with us today, too. So Ed and Ed um, actually have a history dating back to the Mary Tyler Moore show. They worked together there. Ed Weinberger was one of the writers on that show. Um, and then they sort of went their own ways uh, for most of their separate careers they came back together recently. They did a play together called A Man and His Prostate. It's a, it's a one-man show with Ed Asner playing um, every role. <laughs> um, and uh, they wrote this book together, and it's called The Grouchy Historian, An Old-Time Lefty Defends Our Constitution Against Right-Wing Hypocrites and Nutjobs. Oh, and that kind of gives you an idea about the politics Lovely. that he has and what he's bringing into it. So the the, the conceit of the book is that um, he got fed up with modern day politics and people in the media or people on social media um, talking about the Constitution like they're intimately aware of it and getting it absolutely almost completely 100% wrong. Not understanding <laughs> what the Constitution is, what it says, what it mm-hmm. means, how it was written, the, the, the historical significance and the historical context in which it was written. So he and Ed, um, they did a ton of research and they wrote this book together uh, and it's it's written in very digestible little chunks. Each chapter is sort of the, you can take it in, in single sittings and it's it's humorous, obviously, because Ed, Ed Asner, at his heart, he's a comedian, um, but it is also very serious. Like it's, he's taking... Um, he's presenting the constitution to, to people today in, from his perspective, from his point of view. So it's got that, that funny slant, the humorous slant, but it's, it's saying that like, I don't want to go back to the subtitle, but it is, he's defending the constitution against those people who don't understand it. That's a brave, brave mission. (laughs) Right. I wouldn't want to do it. 
Oh, no, me either. Especially seeing the stuff, the tweets that, like, Will Wheaton gets and stuff. Nope, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Ed and Ed, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk today. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you both here. First of all, we're going to be talking about the new book, The Grouchy Historian. And I want to ask both of you, truthfully, did you ever think that you would be writing a book about the Constitution? Yeah, but uh, I think once we, once we got enthusiastic about the idea, we believed we could do it. But uh, obviously it wasn't something that occurred to us until actually the presidential campaign of 2016 when the uh, idea occurred to us that uh, somebody needed to say something truthful about the constitution yeah i think it's a very good example of uh of um what i've been trying to preach to people is that in these chaotic times uh uh, you look, you look for a leader, and there never is one that that uh, satisfies you sufficiently. Yeah. And and uh, uh, I, I've been been speaking as best I can to to cite the fact that uh, we must all become leaders. Sure. Uh, our own leaders, and uh, uh, instead of griping and grousing. Uh, get down and do something and uh, Ed and I finally decided to do something in this area. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the election was sort of what what set the whole ball set the whole thing in motion, but was that the tipping point? Was that the moment when you guys said, you know, this is it. We, I can't take it anymore. We need to write this book. No. No, no I, I don't think I made myself clear. It, it, it was during the campaign. This is not a result of Trump's winning. We, nobody knew the outcome of the election, and certainly nobody thought that Trump would win. This was really happened during the campaign, when, of course, uh, the every other word out of the Republican candidates, uh, including Trump, was the Constitution and strict constra- uh, constitutionalists and originalism and uh, it got to the point, as we said and say in the book, they I don't only think they owned the Constitution, they think they wrote it. So this is uh, our answer to that. Why? I mean, you, you kind of just touched on this, but like, why now? Like, why, why is this book necessary now? Because this is, I mean, it came to a head with the campaign. It's been and necessary the election. for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So why, I mean, it's been necessary for a long time, and it's sort of just everything reared its ugly head during the campaign. Um, but what was it about the campaign that, that you guys said, all right, it's been necessary for a long time, but this is it. This is now. We have to do this. Well, I thought I answered that. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. What, what became, what became, obvious is that uh, uh, the, uh, at least to me, and maybe for the first time, that uh, with so much at stake, the, uh, the right wing, uh, the fundamentalists, uh, all invoked the Constitution as their, the cornerstone to their agenda. Yeah. And uh, anybody who opposes their opinion is therefore unpatriotic. And this is a protest to this. This is uh, 
Uh, you can't, we're not letting them decide who's patriotic and who's not patriotic. So I think this it's is a, timely. This is a time when, when things, things aren't getting better. And it, it finally reached the tipping point. Yeah. The book um, includes a lot of footnotes, a lot of references. It, it is incredibly well-researched. At least it reads that, that it's incredibly well-researched. How much research did you guys actually put into this? A lot. <laughs> and and the, the, the problem, this is, this is what happens, uh, and we learned as we started. When, when, you, when you deal with history, and I guess it's like, Peeling back an onion, you start with you start with one you start with one idea, and that leads you to another and another book and another article. And before you know it, you're 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 uh, knee deep in uh, a lot of material. And uh, I think uh, anybody who writes about American history is going to have is going to have to go through the same process. And that's what we did. And I I, I think. Uh, we, we use the, the founders of this country to back up our arguments. They're not just our own. Uh, we think this is uh, pretty much what, uh, what they, we quote them to, uh, mm -hmm. and we think this is really what they, uh, they believed out of words. We're not putting words in their mouths. We're quoting them. Yeah. And the, the Second Amendment is a perfect example of of something that been 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 hammered and hammered and and talked and talked and talked to death, and not nothing definitive has ever really been done by the courts or or by people to uh, to call attention to it, to define it, and to to uh, to strengthen it, and and to uh, create less slaughter. Let's say. Yeah. You mentioned the Second Amendment, and I wanted to ask about that because a lot of the book does cover, you know, what the Second Amendment actually says, what is actually protected in the Constitution, gun control, that sort of thing. And obviously these, you know, the horrific events of recent memory are not going away. They happen to be, ha they seem to be happening with more regularity. In your research, in your long careers, in, in you know in your perspectives, do you ever think that we're going to reach a point where we'll be able to affect real change in that area? Well, we certainly okay. haven't tried very hard yeah. in terms of Congress um, uh, and in terms of the courts. Uh, that we um, we don't go anywhere. It's it, it's a sludge pile. And uh, As, whatever whatever we had to say, I, I think uh, hopefully will uh, will be the beginning of many other stances and positions and clarifications. Yeah. But as as long as the NRA controls the debate and controls Congress uh, and controls the votes, we're gonna we're gonna continue with this with the mess. Or the horror we're in, yeah. and uh, that's that's going to be that's going to be uh, tough, yeah. tough road to uh, to go down. You both come from comedy backgrounds, obviously. Um, Ed Asner, I know that you've been politically active for quite a long time, 
But what do you think is about that sensibility, that that comedy background or that ability to take a serious subject and, and be able to joke with it but still be serious about it? Well, it's it, it certainly, I think, the, uh, the finest way to draw attention to a particular problem and to make a comment on it that attracts people's attention First, a laugh, and then perhaps afterthoughts. Yeah, to take action, and uh, uh, we need more taking action by people in this country on these particularly grievous problems, such as the Second Amendment. Yeah, and uh, and um, voting, yeah. gerrymandering. Yeah. To act and and to uh, strike out against it, uh, and and at this point in time, uh, the right seems to be the only one that taking that's taking any action. Um, Trump's got his this this committee out there uh, examining uh, illegal voting, which which is a crock, because. Uh, there hasn't been illegal voting. What 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 is what really has been taking place, for instance, is illegal gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it is it frustrating for you? You know, after everything that you've seen and done in your career and in your life, that this book is still necessary. That we don't seem to be making that forward progress. Well, yeah, it is necessary. Yeah, and we aren't making progress. And uh, hopefully this will incite and excite other people. Yeah. Are you hopeful that the people who need to read this book actually will? <laughs> mere mere supposition. <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious if you know, looking back, what do you think cultivated your? Person, like your your political outlook. What made you that quote unquote old time lefty? Well, I can I my parents were foreign born. They were, but 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 they were just and kind. Mm-hmm. And um, they had five children. I'm the last one. Three boys and two girls. And the two the two guys were were fair and and uh, equal people. Uh, my middle brother had the highest IQ of all, uh, but the, but they were not socially active. They uh, they were they were fair and and good and kind and uh, they they moved along. But my two sisters were social workers, mm-hmm. both of them, and I think from them. Came this ameliorating process of try, trying to soften the conditions of life uh, for everyone, yeah. and it, it, it infused me. Yeah. Do you feel like you've been successful in that? I do what I can. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask both of you um, how you first got hooked up together. I know you've you've been working together for many many years, but how did you first get connected? Not so many years. We worked together with Mary Tyler Moore, but we haven't touched base with each other since then. Oh, really? I thought that you had worked together since then. Well, no, no, we... I 
I began doing Ed's one-man play mm -hmm. at the end of last year, and that brought us together. I see. It's a wonderful play, but um, 90 minutes long, mm -hmm. and uh, it uh, it's called A Man and His Prostate, mm -hmm. which automatically makes a laugh. <laughs> uh, but but it's 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 a great batch of comedy with uh, incisive points about prostate cancer. Yeah. And out of that came our working together on the book. Yeah. Are you still doing the show? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, w I saw some uh, some clips of that online, and it looks hilarious. So it's... it's <laughs> I really hope that you keep doing it, because I want to see it. I hope it comes here. Well, he, he wrote it about his own experience, but it, it's a masterful piece of of work yeah and uh it, it works beautifully with audiences so that's interesting so you worked together years ago on mary tyler moore and then you came back together for the play how did that how did you get reconnected then if you hadn't been working together in the years in between well, well I, when i finishing... finished out the hmm? go ahead well i was gonna I... Uh, when I finished the play, there was only one person I thought of sending it to, and that was Ed Asner. So yeah. that's how we reconnected, and that was uh, a couple of years ago. And so uh, I, there was a, uh, I think, a 45-year period <laughs> when we were not connected. But so uh, whatever the years are, I'm not quite clear on that. Yeah. But uh, so uh, that's how we reconnected through the play. Hmm. I mean, you had that experience, that history together, you know, years ago, and, you know, you've obviously it worked well together on the play, and it's worked well together on the book. What is it about your working relationship between the two of you? Like, what do you think it is that really works well when you guys come together? I think it's a point of view. I'm going to answer for you, Ed. We <laughs> may each have a different answer on this, but I think the important thing is we share... And uh, we share, a, a, uh, for the most part, a, a philosophy, a political philosophy, and uh, and I think that's the uh, I think that's the unifying element. Since uh, it, it it should always be about the work, and it's not about a personal a, a personal relationship as much as a professional one. Yeah, does that sound right to you too, Ed? Oh, sure. <laughs> it, it, I'm, look, we, we, we are all, we belong to a great mass of people who are uh, at least center, uh, if not left of center. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, we grouse, we grouse, we grouse, and we, we uh, uh, applaud occasionally, but we rarely take action. And, and, uh, to me, action is it, it is it is not achieving anything, but r rather than shooting your mouth off, how, how good to to take a piece of action to to act, yeah, and not wait for the leader, yeah. Um, but if you think about it, if you think about the books that are out, Laura Ingram has a book. Mark Levin has a book. Bill O'Reilly has a book. Ben Carson has a book. Uh, Ann Coulter has a book. You can't find anything from the left 
that answers anything they say. And so this is why we think this book is important, because it's a, uh, we hope it's entertaining and informative, but it's a, a populist answer to, to all those other books that keep, they keep churning out one after the other without a response. There is no response, and that's the key, and I think that's the main reason we wrote the book. Yeah. Um, Hoping for as, as much success, as, as great a success as they seem to enjoy on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. I mean, look, look what Bill O'Reilly has done, for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's astonishing every time one of those books comes out, and they all seem to say the same thing, but yet they all still sell. And I, I'm not—I yeah. under, don't understand why. <laughs> well, you know, it would be nice if we could. They—they uh, they seem to have captive audiences. Yeah. Who bolster those book sales? And it would be nice if we make a small beginning, left of center, to uh, counteract that. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, creatively, um, you, you both of you have been sort of involved in a number of different um, avenues. You know, you, acting, television, film, books, theater, um, animation. You know, you you've covered the spectrum over both of your careers, and you've you know you've you've really um, had a hand in lots of different types of creativity and I'm wondering if there is one thing that you enjoy over another or one thing that may, leaves you more creatively fulfilled than another I guess well for me books is a new milieu and it's a confusing and confounding uh, for instance uh, we did a bunch of interviews uh, in the two hours preceding this mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ed, Ed was in New York and I'm here in Los Angeles and uh, to uh, to have to talk and not hear what the third party, the uh, the host, has to say, uh, becomes frustrating and uh, exacerbating. Uh, so it's it's all new territory for for me anyway. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't like it, and it's it's problematical and. Uh, uh, hopefully we can find a clearer way to transmit the message. Yeah. Yeah. You don't seem to be slowing down, though. <laughs> I mean, this is not your first book. And in addition to this book... Well, you, know, you slow down, you die. That, well, that, that was my... Like, I'm reminded of Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner has a new book out called Too Busy to Die. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Is that how you feel? You just want to keep going? Oh, absolutely. If If, if you can still make sense out of what you're mumbling. <laughs> Do you ever think of retirement? No. no. Why should I? Well, first of all, it's the only thing I'm good at is, is uh, activism of, of uh, acting. Yeah. Activism and acting. Um, I read, speaking of, of acting, I read an interview that you gave a, a couple of years ago, and you were talking about your role on Roots. And uh, you said that at the time when you were auditioning for the role, you said that you figured all white actors were racists. And I'm wondering if you could talk about what you meant by that. I, uh, I, I come from uh, Kansas City, and I went to segregated schools. And uh, 
when the Catholic schools um, desegregated before the public schools, there was a rush of, uh, of kids uh, out of the Catholic schools to join a public school. And uh, at the time, I thought it was kind of weird. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I didn't puzzle it through very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, um, what was the question? <laughs> um, your, your quote from when you were um, auditioning oh, yeah. for Roots. Yeah. Uh, so I, I tended to think that uh, the world, the world uh, practiced and believed in segregation. And, and so when Roots was being cast, uh, I, I figured that, uh, well, uh, the white actors just, just what I, I automatically took for granted that they would be segregationists. Yeah. And then, and then was wonderfully and pleasingly amazed when, uh, it, it turned out that they, white actors would have broken each other's legs <laughs> just to, in place. <laughs> um, this, this might seem a little bit out of left field, but it sort of ties into that and also ties into your, your, your activism. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the whole take a knee thing that's going on right now. Well, I, uh, I myself was delighted that uh, my son uh, does most of my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And he conceived of the idea of making the simple announcement that I, I was going to take a knee on Sunday, but that I might need some help getting back up. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. <laughs> Garhorn. Was that was that a crowd reaction? <laughs> uh, no, I, and I and I, I'm amazed at how people react to this when when the the uh, the players who are doing this mm-hmm. are taking a submissive stance so to speak a physical stance that would be called submissive or at least uh, prayerful yeah uh, not not defining uh, not, not not defiling the flag not defiling uh, the soldiers or or veterans, but uh, to to merely attract attention to one aspect of the 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 Star Spangled Banner, which was written by a racist, uh, and uh, uh, which is about war, uh, to strike a different tone. About that anthem. Yeah. Um, shifting gears just a little bit. Most actors admit that there's a little bit of themselves in each of the characters that they play. You know, it's it's kind of hard to avoid that. What I am more interested in, though, is the reverse. How much of the characters that you play stick with you? Um, you played Lou Grant for 12 years. How much of him stuck with you and is still still inside, still part of, of Ed Asner? I think a lot of me is borrowed from Lou Grant. Yeah. yeah. So he he defined who you became in the years since. Yeah. Or I, I perhaps 
what is that added noise? Um, I, I, de I define it as, as uh, a, a clarifier for me. Yeah. Uh, so if I question what, what what is Ed doing, then I say, what would Lou do? Yeah. I have to, you know, as, as a huge fan of the movie and of your, your role in it, I have to ask, is it the same for your character from Up, Carl Fredrickson? I mean, how much of him and you are the same person? I call it a double love story. Yeah? And I, I enjoy that aspect, and I, I like the fact that from, from the beginning, and I'm blessed there, because from the beginning, which starts with tears, and we go to happiness and uh, and um, revivification of an old man's life uh, w without having to suffer yeah. constantly with the passing of his wife. Yeah. Um, we recently lost Mary, and I know you've probably answered this many times, and we, we would never have enough time to, to properly do her memory justice, but I wonder if you have a particularly fond memory that you could share. I'll let you talk, Ed. No, no, the question is for you. Uh, for both of oh, you. you both you, you both worked with her. No, well, I think it's a, I think he... Ed is a lot, was a lot closer to Mary, and uh, I think he should answer that question. Well, I, she was a total marvel. She was a marvel in, in, in terms of, of, of being a numero uno, and at the same time, uh, uh, creating situations whereby uh, jockos like me could come along. And she she would take the best of what we had to offer, yeah, and use it. I, I liken her to a uh, uh, to to uh, an axle that wheels rotate around, and all of us were axles, uh, wheels of that nature, spinning and, and attracting attention, while she held us steady. Uh, she, uh, she was a hard worker, uh, with diabetes, etc. And, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to work in the morning, take a lunch break and, and to, and to, uh, uh, to dance through her lunch break. Uh, defines the kind of person she was. Yeah. Well, uh, we three guys would uh, would go and uh, tank up with uh, with six sandwiches, etc., for lunch, and come back to find her wiping the sweat from her mm. balletic practice. Mm. That's amazing. Um, I last question, and then I'll let you guys go, but. Uh, aside from selling a million copies of this book, which I know you hope to do, what what result would you love to see come out of this, come out of the book? How about peace on earth? There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's about as good as you can get. It is about as good um, as you can get. I, uh, I, I hope it, it would... Uh, 
uh, create counter-thrusts that would make people focus more on the book and find out which, which side they're on. Yeah. I would make people fight for being on the right side, the left side. <laughs> Fantastic. And Ed, do you have anything to add to that? No, I have nothing to add. I think it's, he said it very well, yeah. both of us. Fantastic. I want to thank both of you guys so much. This has just been an absolute honor to talk to you both. Uh, and uh, the, the book is fantastic. I couldn't put it down. So so well done oh, there. Good. Well done there. Delighted to hear that. Yeah. You made our day. <laughs> okay, so since you talked about uh, taking, you know, you gave the Joey from Friends example, I've been coming up with ideas in my head. So oh, okay. Like Cosmo Kramer, private investigator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Oh, I can't believe I compared Ed Asner to Joey from Friends. <laughs> as soon as you said that Ed Asner, if he was listening to it, he was like, click. Yeah, right. I'm click. Done. Done with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or or he was probably like, who's jo- what's, a, what's a Joey from Friends? What? Like, I, really? I don't get that reference. No, I mean, no. really. I think he... Really, that that's my bad. I that was a terrible, terrible reference, and I I own it. That's okay. I'm gonna own up to it. There was all that I could think of in that moment. <laughs> yeah, what we'll, we will t- we will own it. That was ours. We we coined that one. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming back every single week. If you don't come back, why don't you come back? Hit the subscribe button. You can come here a new episode sometimes too. You can also interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast. I'm Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. And we'll see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad. 